0: This is Jennifer Dolan, and you're listening to Jennifer's Twist. Today, my guest is Heidi Richter, vegan chef and host of the blog, The Simple Green. Welcome, Heidi. Hi, thanks for having me. (laughs) It's so great to have you. Yes. Yes. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? What did you grow up eating? And maybe what sparked your interest in following a vegan diet?
1: Oh, my goodness. Well, that's a little bit of a long story, but <laughs> I'll try <to laughs> Or we condense. can start
0: with just where did you grow up and what where did you grow goes. up eating?
1: Okay, so I, um, I grew up in uh, North Vancouver. I was born and raised, uh, and I actually moved to Vancouver Island, which is where I'm located right now. I moved here about eight or nine years ago, um, and probably one of the best decisions I've ever made. <laughs> Um, of course, growing up in the city, it was, um, you know, I led a, you know, somewhat of a different life over there than I do here. Um, my father is German. My father moved or immigrated to Canada when he was, I think he was in his late twenties. So I actually grew up with, uh, in a more, you know, tradition, German traditional household, even though my mom is, my mom was born and raised in Canada. Um, and yeah, I think I had fairly fairly regular upbringing. I ate a lot of, you know, everyday foods. I definitely did not grow up um, eating a plant-based diet or a vegan diet, let alone. Um, and it wasn't until I guess I was about, I was about 23, when something just clicked in me, um, and I, I just felt this urge to be healthier in a way that I hadn't done before. I was always very conscious about what I was eating and making sure, you know, I exercise, I have a degree in, in exercise sciences. So I was always very conscious about that. But then something changed for me and I all of a sudden found myself wanting to eat plant-based, um, not eating as much dairy or meat products. Um, and yeah, I'm sort of running on a little bit here, <laughs> now, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> it's all, um, it seems like ages ago for me, but, um, but yeah, how, it, how old are you now? Right now I am. I just turned 36 on Friday. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> so more than 10 <laughs> years you've been over vegan. 10 years. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, it was on and off for the first little bit. Um, you know, as I was sort of testing the waters, um, and just discovering more about, you know, the lifestyle and, you know, how to properly nourish yourself. Um, and, and yeah, that just, it just sort of carried me through over the last, uh, you yeah, know, it's been over 10 years now. So.
0: Wow. And what had you moved from the mainland
1: over to Vancouver Island? Why did I move? <laughs> um, it was a combination of factors. So I was first introduced to the island when I was about, I guess I was about 10, my parents and I, my brother, sister, we came here for a family vacation and I just instantly fell in love. I always, I just, ever since then was in love with the island. It was always in the back of my mind as this sort of beautiful place, like idealistic place too, that I wanted to live. And it has a little bit more of a slower pace too, which I really liked. And then it wasn't until, yeah, in my, um, my, my mid twenties, I was actually in a a relationship at the time and we had both decided to move over here. Um, this is somebody that I was previously seeing. We're no longer together. Um, I met my current, um, my current husband here, but, uh, that was, that's what brought me over here initially. Um, and for the first few years, I wasn't sure whether I was going to stay or not, you know, after we had gone our separate ways but I did. I'm glad I stuck it out. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been a wonderful decision. It's, it's a much slower pace than the mainland, uh, yeah. Vancouver, which is very, I mean, that changes every time I go over there now. It's, it's like a, it, it feels so foreign to me, even though I grew up there. Wow. I'm just so used to this more laid back, um, you know, quieter approach to life to some degree, even though the Island is also growing. And how is the food scene different between the mainland and the island? Well, for me, it's different on a personal level because we have um, a big space here where I get to grow so much of my own food. Yeah. Um, obviously, that is possible on the mainland, but it's, property over there is extremely expensive. Um, and so I would say it's, it's different in that aspect to just from for me, uh, being able to grow my own food and, um, and two, there's not, uh, there's a lot more, you know, smaller, um, local, you know, food shops and, or cafes, uh, that are, you know, just specific to our city or to the island. Um, and there, there is that in, in on the mainland as well, but, uh, it's a little more, I guess some people would call it like granola style, oh. you know, hippie kind of. <laughs> That's great. I was going to say charming, but charming is the word. Yes. That's a better way to put it. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's, that's it. it, So it's different in that way. Um, and there's not a lot of the big, um, you know, commercial establishments they are, they do exist over here, but not in the same quantity. You don't have a a lot to choose from in terms of, um, you know, if you want to go out and things like that, which is not a big deal for me because, you know, we're homebodies, and we like to stay home, and, yeah. and, and you probably cook better here, so. than a lot of the people there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I do. Yeah, I, I, um, I, we have we have a lot of access to, because we're a smaller, we're a smaller city too, right? Um, you know, everything is a little bit closer, you know, in distance. So you get like there's so many great farmers markets here. There's so much to choose from in that respect. Um, so I feel, yeah, we're really lucky for food in that way here too. And then having the access to, even though I don't, um, you know, we don't eat a lot of meat products and whatnot, there's, um, uh, like my husband is, he fishes, so he loves having the access to the water here. Right. And, the, and especially off the West coast, um, right off the West coast is just, you know, um, I guess he says it's the best fishing in the world. So, ah. <laughs> so for people that are, you know, a lot of um, um, seafood and things like that that are um, that you find on the mainland are sourced, you know, a lot of it from the West Coast. So, um, so it's yeah, it's very, you know, um, down to earth. It's you know a lot of real focus on like local, um, and yeah, so. yeah. I think that, did that answer your question? It did, <laughs> Yeah, run on a little bit? No, <laughs> it's great.
0: And your husband, he's a wood woodworker in addition yes.
1: to fisher? Yes, yeah. he is. So, yeah, he grew up in a very, very small, um, it's actually a village uh, off the west coast of Vancouver Island. So he, it, it was a fishing town. It was a fishing town, and that's what he grew up doing. So he's an expert at that. Um, but yeah. he also he loves woodworking. He's, um, I'm, I am, I, I, don't speak so humbly about him or modestly about that. He's oh, very talented with is that. Beautiful that you've displayed on <laughs> your, you. on your blog. It's yeah. so beautiful. Yeah. He's, I, I feel, I feel for him though, because he has a quite a laundry list of things I'd like him to build for me, so, <laughs> but it, ever, ever growing. But, um, Yes, he's uh, yeah, he really enjoys it, and right now he's actually in, in the middle of um building a cedar strip canoe. So
0: it's uh, nice,
1: it's quite the project, yeah. That's a big I'm project. I'm looking forward to, get, yeah, it's it'll probably not be finished until about October this year, but I'm looking forward to getting, it. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. And you have two other members of your family, you have a son, yeah and yeah. a french yeah. bulldog a
1: french bulldog yes <laughs> does Frankie. the dog participate at all <laughs> yeah. in your career um i would say she does actually you know people really like seeing her especially on instagram she pops up on my instagram stories from time to time so people really like her she's kind of a a little bit of a clown, well, super fun. <laughs> I like to refer to her as a potato because she's very round and you know, <laughs> very very dense. Yeah, you know, little potato dog.
0: So. Well, looking back through your blog, I read a bit about your history as an athlete. Mm-hmm. On your blackberry and sweet basil galette post, mm-hmm. you referred to your time as a gymnast. And on Mm -hmm. your cinnamon spelt pancake post, you talked about your intense fitness training while at university. Yes, And you report being a competitive athlete during your early 20s.
1: Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Tell us
0: about your history as an athlete and what you currently do to maintain your physical fitness.
1: Oh, well, I would... uh, So my history uh, with athletics, it stems back to, I I guess I was about... Five when I realized I wanted to be a gymnast. I want to do gymnastics. I want to do it all the time. And uh, my mom, my parents were really great about um, letting me do that. So that took up a lot of time during my my early my early youth into my mid teens. Um, just at the provincial level, I wasn't uh, yeah I wasn't an Olympic gymnast or anything, but uh, very very. Um, loved loved the sport, absolutely loved it, and then spent some time coaching. And I I just have this innate desire to want to move my body and be active pretty much all the time. Yeah, <laughs> so it's really hard for me to sit down, and um, but so that that still carries on to this day, even though I'm not as competitive as I used to be. Um, but So after, I guess it was about in my, my late, my late teens, actually, when, um, somebody I was dating at the time introduced me to the idea of going to the gym and Mm -hmm. beforehand I would never really, I never really spent time in the gyms. I would do a little bit of, you know, uh, weight training here and there. And, um, so I, I ended up falling in love with that aspect of fitness is going to the gym, weight training, all this stuff. Which then led me to pursue uh, my my uh, degree in exercise sciences at UBC. Nice. So, and then, of course, at UBC, uh, I was, you know, pretty active there as well. I was still coaching gymnastics uh, part-time. Um, but then my athleticism or my athletic pursuits still geared more towards, um, like, fitness athletics. So you've probably seen or heard of like, you know, fitness competitions and things Mm -hmm. like that. And I ended up doing that for about five years. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of work Mm -hmm. and it definitely wasn't the healthiest thing to do. (laughs) It's not the healthiest sport. It takes a lot out of you. Um, and it's, you know, there's, there's, um, concerns about, you know, people being overly aesthetic about it. You know, it's, it's, um, I did enjoy the, the, you know, performing the routines and and showing off my strength and my flexibility and my endurance and all that. That was a lot of fun. I used to, I was also an actress for a period of time. So I do really like performing, but, um, so yeah. And then actually it was, right after I had, I had finished, I finished that, um, endeavor, I guess it was about, it was um, early twenties or so. And that was also right around the time where I uh, was introduced to or felt the need to go and become vegan or eating a plant-based. So I went from somebody who ate meat like every single day. And I'm not just talking like, you know, average portions, like it was a lot of me. (laughs) yeah. And so I think that was probably one of the reasons why all of a sudden I just found myself not wanting to do that anymore and wanting to actually, you know, look at what it means to be healthy and what it means to nourish my body and not just nourishment from a standpoint of how is this food going to make me look, or is it going to make my muscles bigger or things like that. So I, I, I ended up Going down a path of much more like uh, a holistic approach to um, to taking care of myself. So this day, um, you know, while I I don't I don't actually tend to go to the gym very much at all. I have a my three year old keeps me very active. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> we do we do a lot. But of course, living on the island here too, we're so blessed with um, beautiful outdoors, gorgeous hiking trails. Um, And where we live, we live very, very close to um the wilderness and right by Big Lake. Um so it's a gorgeous seven kilometer loop that you can run around there, which I do from time to time. Um but yeah, mostly now it's just hiking and uh of course being out in the yard too. Like gardening is a lot of work. Yeah, it really is. And it's good work. I love it. And I'm I've I feel like I'm in better shape now than I've ever been. Um just because of, you know, my, uh, my thoughts towards health and not just from a personal perspective from, but also for, you know, beyond me, you know, my extending to my family and then to the earth and to my community. Right. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's been a very wonderful journey. I have to say Great. That.
0: That's awesome. I I feel like so many people are moving in the opposite direction. There's a a part of the world that is moving toward plant-based diets, which is Mm -hmm. increasing. But then there's this whole group that's really into paleo and won't eat anything Mm -hmm. that's a carb. And
1: I just can't imagine (laughs) that that feels good. But to each his own. To each their own, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm not one to say there's one right thing for anybody, right? I think right? We all have our own different ways of doing things and, and, um, you know, there's a lot of people who eat plant-based or are vegan and they're quite vocal and they're, they're active, they're activists about it. Mm-hmm. And that's not me. Um, I like to sort of gently inspire those who are willing to be inspired or would like to be inspired. Right. Great.
0: You also report on your blog that you had been in a high stress and demanding career and I'm mm-hmm. just going to quote you here cuz I think it's such a beautiful quote. You say that your heart spoke louder than the doubts and stresses in your mind. Mm-hmm. That's such a it's pretty beautiful quote. What what were you doing that was so demanding? Was it the athleticism or what were you also in a,
1: some kind of business career? Yes, I I was and and I still actually am very 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 part-time. But yeah. um, It's uh I, so when I moved to the island here, it was, it was, it was a very different, um, you know, business economy. I had come from Vancouver where I was working in, um, a, um, in an office downtown, it was a legal office and, you know, moving to the island, you know, my options for careers were not, I didn't have as many as I would on the mainland. So I ended up finding a job in uh, strata management, which at the time I was like, what is strata management? Yeah. <laughs> um, little did I know <laughs> I would be doing it for <laughs> the eight years that I had, have been on the island. Um, but now I just do it part-time after I had my son. Um, things, A lot of things changed for me and I started realizing what's important and as much as, you know, I... I enjoy certain aspects of that business. I think it plays into a lot of my mentality as an athlete before, you know, that, you know, competitive, get it done fast, fast, fast. Right. right? Um, that part of my brain is not as active as it has been in the past, but it's still there. Um, but yes, it was extremely demanding job. Very, very demanding of, of your time and your patience. Um, I don't want to speak ill of it, but there's, um, it's it's very very um, <clears throat> excuse me it's it's, um, it's very time consuming and it's one of those jobs that you take home with you so at the end of the day um, it doesn't shut off you're thinking about it 24 7 and after a while I just realized I I couldn't I I couldn't keep it up anymore yeah. um, I felt like my spirit was slowly diminishing you know when you feel like you're constantly giving out giving out giving out
0: over the years, you report that you developed what you have called an insatiable taste for living slowly and simply with peaceful mm-hmm. purpose and loving intention. I love that mm-hmm. also. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so many people struggle to find their purpose. Did you have an aha moment or
1: do you feel like you found your purpose? Um, absolutely not. <laughs> but I think it's evolving. Um, it is evolving, and I think what I've come to learn because i I did have a lot of you know we'll call them spiritual crises at points in my life where you really ask yourself what am I doing you know who am I what am I what am I contributing what's my purpose right mm-hmm. and I found that I'm never gonna know. Um, the one true thing i think it's always evolving and that's the one thing i've been able to rely on is that no matter you know what i might be doing it may change in 5 10 years and yeah. that's okay and to accept that right mm-hmm. um i think society or, or at least um it, it's changing in some ways but there is this mentality that you have to you know pick a career and stick with it or pick one thing and stick with it and it really well. And while it's it's great to pick something and do it really well, you may not still have those same desires in five years or 10 years. Right. Right. They change. So, so I think, um, you know, in in terms of, if I had to define my purpose and, and what, what I feel I'm here to do, it's just, um, you know, to, to be good to myself and to be, um, good to my family and have that extend outwards, you know, towards the, the community and hopefully spark better change or inspiration for, you know, for others who are maybe having struggles or, you know, whatever they may be. So. Great.
0: You frequently reference your backyard garden on your blog. Okay. I hear from Alexandra Dom over at the vegetarian blog, occasionally eggs, that you want to convert your entire backyard to a vegetable garden, but you're still Mm -hmm. negotiating with your husband. How's that going?
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, you know what? I think I've made some headway, (laughs) (laughs) especially this year because, um, our yard, we used to have, um, when when Steve had bought the house before I was in the picture, but there was a big pool in the backyard. We finally managed to get rid of the pool, (laughs) mostly my doing, so we have a lot of yard space now. Um, but yeah, if I had my way, I would turn the whole backyard into a garden <laughs> just because I, I'm addicted to growing food. I, it's, it's, you know, it's like a science experiment on one hand. It's also a beautiful meditation and it's productive, right? You know, we find ourselves with a lot of abundance that I can then share with neighbors or family and friends. Mm-hmm. And I love that. So I just feel like in this, in this situation, you know, more is better, <laughs> so. but we do, I mean, with our, with our yard space, we don't have an acreage or anything, right? We have a, you know, just a very, um, you know, modest house in, in, in the city. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I would definitely have more garden beds out there if I, if I could, we've, I managed to get another two this year, so Sweet. <laughs> I'll just keep working on it over the years. Right. So. And what are you growing in this garden? So right now, um, I'm growing actually a lot of new things this year. Um, cool. I have not done squash before. Actually, that's not true. I did an acorn. I tried to do an acorn squash last fall, um, but I planted it much too late. So Uh, um, this year we're doing squash. I'm very excited about that. We grow an abundance of tomato varieties. um, A couple of them being heirlooms that uh, we've managed to source, which are just amazing. They're very ugly. I'll admit heirloom tomatoes are ugly to look at, but they taste amazing. They are so, so, so flavorful um so we're growing yeah lots of tomatoes this year is the first year we're actually not doing cucumbers because i find they tend to take over our garden too much and we always find ourselves with so many yeah. um you know too many actually to the point where we've given them away to our neighbors and they don't want them anymore because <laughs> we have you know they're like oh we've got enough we're good so um, and Lots of, uh, this year I'm doing a lot of, um, you know, fall harvest vegetables. So nice. I'm doing leeks this year, um, which I'm very excited about for when those actually start popping up, And hopefully this year we might get a harvest of, of our garlic. We grew, um, uh, elephant garlic last or last year we we put it in, and it takes quite a while for it to grow. So hopefully we'll have some of that to harvest this year too. So um, and this year we've also got uh, one of the new beds that that uh, Steve made for me is um, a dedicated flower bed. So that's just for our pollinators out there, right? And uh, keeping them happy. So great. Yeah.
0: You talk about picking blackberries with your son. The blackberries Mm -hmm. on your recent buckwheat pancake recipe look absolutely delicious. Mm
1: -hmm. Thank
0: you. (laughs) Have you ever had blackberry kombucha?
1: I haven't, no. No, but I would absolutely love to try it. We actually started brewing kombucha this year, and um, you've got my my wheels turning. (laughs) (laughs) It is
0: so fun to make the different flavors. You're going to love it.
1: Yeah, blackberry yeah,
0: basil, mixed. or or ba- any yeah. berry mint combo is yeah, unbelievably yes. delicious.
1: Yeah, I was listening to your um your podcast with uh oh, what's her name? Jessa Stevens. Jessa, yes. yes, and you know she talks about where well, she talk about herbs and the herbs that she puts in, it. and I would have never thought to put herbs in my kombucha. So yeah. I'm very excited to try that. Oh my gosh, really it's so good! You're to gonna that. love it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> On your blog post um, last year, entitled Citrus Lavender Schlor, you mm-hmm. discussed being a finalist in the 2017 Taste Canada Awards. Congratulations. Thank That's you. That's really exciting. I hear you've even sectioned off a part of your garden to grow lavender. hmm Yeah. So tell us what a schlor is.
1: Um, it It is actually a uh, a German drink. It's more, it's like a sparkling beverage, so to speak. It's, um, I guess the closest thing I could relate it to is a, you remember as a child when you'd have like sparkling apple juice, Mm -hmm. you know, like they'd be like the fake wine or fake champagne that you'd get as a child. It's very similar to that. Um, it's, it's effervescent and it's fruity and it's sweet and it's, uh, it's
0: lovely. sounds kind of like kombucha
1: it is a little bit like (laughs) it's got a little bit more more fizz to it um but yeah it's it's very similar without without that apple cider vinegary taste yeah but
0: yeah in addition to gardening you and your husband are both wild foragers Mm -hmm. one of my favorite posts on your blog is your experience chanterelle foraging on the west coast Thank you. It is. uh, That is such a beautiful, the pictures are beautiful. The post is beautiful. It's, it's it's really cool thing to Mm -hmm. do. Anyway, mushrooms are super intimidating to some people. (laughs) How they look. Do you eat them raw? Should you cook them? If you should cook them, how do you cook them? And Mm -hmm. then, as a dietitian, I've worked in an ICU for a long time, and I've actually seen people end up requiring liver transplants after they eat poisonous mushrooms because they Mm -hmm. weren't aware that it was not safe to eat. Mm -hmm. So, where did you learn how to do this? Do you have any references that you could share with people who have an interest in
1: foraging? Well, I would say your best reference is any local, your local association. So whether it be your local, I'll just call them the mushroom association. Okay. Um, they would be your, your absolute safest and best bet because when it comes to manuals or books or things that you read online, it can be very helpful, but only up to a point. Um, mm-hmm. they tend to be very one-sided. So You know, if you're out and about and you have a question or you're not sure if what you're looking at is actually, you know, an edible mushroom or edible for that matter in general, um, you may find yourself at a loss for information, which can then lead you down the wrong path or lead you to danger, right? Or end you up in the ICU, right? Right. So, um, definitely having somebody who's experienced, um, to just go out and, you know, asked to join them on a forage. There's a lot of, you'd be surprised, like there's a lot of local associations for these types of things. Um, And you can even find Facebook groups for, you know, um, if you're interested in foraging for people that, you know, are new to it, they can go meet people who are experienced who run these groups that, you know, do have, um, you know, the occasional um, foraging adventure that you can join on, you can learn there's a lot of classes too you can take. Um, but, uh, for like in my, um, my situation here, I learned from somebody who had been doing it for many, many years who had taught Steve, my husband, and then I learned from my husband. So, yeah. It was passed down. Uh, yeah. Of course, with foraging, it was initially put in my mind by my dad because when he was growing up in Germany, that's what they did. That was yeah. so much of, you know, they they had so many wild edibles just right at their fingertips um, where he lived. So he um, he was always big into that. And, and although we didn't do it as kids, I think my dad was really cautious about that with Oh, us. yeah, I bet. With but, children, because uh, you put everything yeah. in your mouth. Exactly. And yeah. we touch everything, um, did your dad but, uh, live near the Black Forest? I don't actually know. I don't think he yeah. did. Um, I have this it, dream it, of
0: going to the Black Forest.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> me too. Me too. I would love to go one day, but um, I'm not sure where it's situated in relation to my dad. It was uh, Garmish was the city that he grew up in, um, and I'm not sure where it's situated in terms of the Black Forest, but, uh, but yeah. He's had his fair share of adventures, too, that I keep hearing about. All
0: right, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about training and mentoring. Mm -hmm. So you have a degree in exercise science. Do you Mm -hmm. have any formal
1: culinary training? I don't actually, know. (laughs) Wow, all self-taught. Yeah, I I would say, yeah, self-taught. My mom, of course, taught me when I was very little how to bake I fell in love with baking originally and then of course once I started down the path of you know plant-based eating and veganism um, that forced me to have to learn how to cook and you know find new ways of making stuff work yeah so so yeah a lot of it has been self-taught and of course I thank the internet for that (laughs) and Google has been fantastic
0: awesome you reference several cookbook authors and blogs from which you source some inspiration throughout your various posts. Do you turn to any one cookbook or blog on a regular on a regular basis to get any pointers or tricks of the trade in general?
1: Anyone in particular? That's a tough question, actually, because it's, sort of all over the map. Like there's, I I source inspiration from so many different people and so many different places and from all over the world too. Right. Um, as much as I like to focus on, you know, local and, and, and things like that, um, I find inspiration everywhere. So I wouldn't say there's one in particular, um, that really, that I, that's sort of my go-to, but I grew up watching, some people may not like her very much, but I grew up watching Martha Stewart. I really liked her a yeah. lot. I still do. I still really love Martha Hey, whoever um, you
0: like, it, it works yeah. for you. It has inspired it you, me. and
1: we are now the recipient <laughs> of your beautiful recipe, so yeah. good for you. She, she inspired me a lot when I was little. I just loved watching Martha Stewart, so yeah. Um, Yeah, I I would say if there was one person that I would go to on a regular basis, it would probably be Marla (laughs) Stewart. Ah, okay. (laughs) Yeah, even though she's not vegan or anything, but she's, there's just, I think there's a lot of good information. She has a really good team too. And plus I also have the nostalgia of it attached, you know, so. Yeah.
0: As a prior athlete, you've been coached a lot. Do you have a coach that
1: you turn to for your blog? Um, I, I don't necessarily know, but I do have a very good network of, um, other bloggers that I've met over the last two and a half, three years. Mm -hmm. And they are such a wealth of information and help. And, you know, as, as a blogger, you tend to go through a lot of the same things that other bloggers have gone through, especially when you're getting started and, or, you know, learning the logistics of, you know, building a website and building a blog. It's, you know, you come up, you have to do a lot of troubleshooting. Um, but I've managed to get, um, some really meet some really nice people, great people who are in either in the same boat or have come off that boat and, and they're able to help. So
0: I do feel like Canada has a very, of the bloggers that I've um, followed from Canada, I do feel like you have a nice little setup going on up there
1: mm-hmm. that you yeah. work very well
0: together. Yeah. yeah.
1: For someone, We're so nice. <laughs> yeah, you, you really are.
0: Um, and sharing and kind of win-win environment, which is great. Mm-hmm. If some, do you have any advice for someone who's just starting
1: out a blog? Oh yes. Um, <laughs> um, don't expect things to happen overnight. Number one, yeah. you're going to, and number two, you're going to probably want to give up a lot. Yeah. And don't, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you can set it aside, take a break, um, but just keep going and keep at it. Um, because while it's very fulfilling on like a creative level, um, you are going to hit roadblocks and you are going to, you know, start to doubt yourself and you may not see um, a quote unquote payoff, um, right away. And especially if you are looking to monetize your blog and make it into a career, it's not something that's going to happen overnight. So just to really keep at it and, and to focus on, you know, why you, why you wanted to start it in the first place, which is what I go back to when, because I do have those moments too, or, yeah. you know, I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, this is so much work. Why am I doing this some days? Right? right. But, um, I remember why I started it and, and that keeps me going. So, yeah. And just to understand too, that it's natural have those you know those ups and downs it's sort of like it. the creative process is not a straight line Right. Um, it zigzags it's up and down left and right all over the place right Um, but it steadily climbs and you you find your um, you find your pace so to speak and uh, and you at the end of the day you end up with something that's really your own um, that you can be really proud of so yeah stick with it is probably the biggest thing
0: good good so Martha Stewart who was your inspiration in the cooking world. Is there anyone that you would consider to be a mentor or someone that you look up to in life in general, not necessarily in the food world? And if so, what have they taught you?
1: Oh, my goodness. Like, this could be emotional. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I would... I gosh, you know, my, my parents are pretty amazing people. Yeah. Um, I've always felt like they have had my back. They've always supported me, you know, even if they have, you know, questioned some of my, my endeavors, (laughs) they're always very supportive. Um, my dad is, yeah, I'd have to say he still is a very, very, very prominent sort of, you know, mentor figure as well as my dad. Um, He is so knowledgeable. He knows so much about any topic. You know, if I have a question about when I, so for example, like when I first started my blog, I was very new to photography. I knew I liked it. I knew I had a lot to learn. Um, and when my dad found out about what I was doing, well, guess who got a photography lesson from my dad? (laughs) Oh. Realize what's gonna happen. So, Oh, that's so <laughs> nice. Was, yeah, it was. Um, so yeah, he's he's been he's been there a lot to help. And of course, my dad is is and and my brother too. I should say they're very knowledgeable with um, computers and you know websites and things like that. So they're also. Really, really helpful for me. Yeah, that's super. Um, when it comes helpful. to the blog, very helpful because it, yeah, you can get yourself into some sticky situations and uh, really not know how to get yourself out. But uh, <laughs> yeah, having somebody who understands that side of things is really is really really great. So yeah, having them to um, to help me along the way, and then of course my my dad does inspire me in a lot of ways because he's. You know, he's had such an amazing life. He's had so many amazing adventures um, that I, you know, I don't think I've even heard all of them to this day. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Very cool.
0: Okay. Let's talk a little bit about your hometown um, and slow living. You've shared your love of nature and the pleasure that you get from exploring the natural wonders of the land. What What's the name of the island where you live? Uh, it's Vancouver Island. Oh, they call yeah, so it it's, Vancouver Island.
1: It call, yeah, it's Vancouver Island, and it's right on the west coast, the very, very far west coast of Canada, British Columbia.
0: Okay. So. And is um, what's the name of the little, like, I don't know how to pronounce it, Nemo or... Nanaimo. Nanaimo. Yes. It's a okay. weird name. <laughs> yeah. Nanaimo. I would not have done that. Um, <laughs> and so that is part of Vancouver Island and is Victoria yes. part of Vancouver Island? It or, okay. Yes, yes. I was thinking so that Van- the island was Victoria. I don't know why. Yeah.
1: It's, uh, well, Victoria, you know, most people, when they think of Vancouver Island, they think of Victoria because it is, um, you know, it's, it's, the prominent feature really. It's, it's right. the biggest city on the island. Um, it's a real hub. Um, and it's probably one of the oldest cities as well. So um, it's it's also oh my God, this is gonna test me now with my Canadian geography, but I'm pretty sure it's the capital. <laughs> it's <laughs> I'm BC, not sure so <laughs> of so, oh, BC, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think it used to be New West and now yeah, it's been a long time since I've done that tree. So. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, so Nanaimo is actually right in the center, roughly in the center of, of Vancouver Island. Um, and that's where I call home now. So.
0: Yeah. If someone were to come visit, where would you recommend that they go?
1: Come visit me. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. If I was talking to just... You know, somebody I didn't know, and and uh, and was just giving um, you know general like touristy advice. Mm-hmm. Oh, in Nanaimo, where would where would I suggest going? Uh, that's a tough one. But the one that pops out would probably be uh, either Piper's Lagoon or Neck Point. They are such gorgeous, gorgeous spots, um, um, right on the water, and um, Piper's Lagoon in particular is it's a very long walk um it's just gary oak trees as far as you can see they're just absolutely gorgeous uh and you can actually find a lot of just local wildlife just hanging out doing their thing um, wow it's great it's it's a it's a really nice nice way to sort of get your feet wet in terms of what the island has to offer if, if you were to stop in at an And how about if they were looking for a vegan restaurant? A vegan restaurant. There's actually not a lot here, but, um, the ones that are here are very good. And one that I thoroughly enjoy is it's called powerhouse living foods. Um, they have a really, really great pad Thai that they make out of zucchini noodles. I don't know what they put in their sauce, but it's so good. Mm. Um, there, yeah, that's right in the heart of, heart of downtown IMO. It's wonderful.
0: Have you heard of the organization Slow Food International? I haven't, no. Ah, so, um, Vancouver actually has a chapter, Slow Food, Wow. And I always make a plug for this when I'm interviewing (laughs) someone for their local town. So if people listen to this podcast regularly, they're probably like, okay, okay, I got it, Jen. But for those of you who are new to Jennifer's Twist, Slow Food International is a movement towards good, clean, and fair food for all. And your husband may actually be really interested in this if there is a chapter on the island because one of the things that they do are help to um, preserve the small fisheries and mm. the mm-hmm. um, fishermen in the town to maintain their livelihood uh, mm-hmm. from fishing. So, very cool.
1: That's, yeah, I, he would probably would probably very much appreciate that. Yeah. They're doing some really cool things. Yeah. I've been inspired to look more into this because like I said, I didn't realize that there was an organization behind all of this. Mm Um, it's yeah, it's fascinating and definitely something that I would love to support too. Cool.
0: Okay. Let's talk a little bit about the blog. You originally started blogging under the name Enlightened Decadence, mm-hmm. since you were loving uh, vegan desserts, mm-hmm. but you changed the name of your blog to the Simple Green after your son was born. Mm-hmm. The Simple Green encapsulating the goal of sharing the simple beauty of plant-based and local ingredients, organic mm-hmm. gardening, and seasonal living. Mm-hmm. Your photography is is so beautiful. What Thank you. what inspired
1: your change from sweet to savory sweet to savory oh uh so initially when I had started blogging it it was more more or less just a little micro blog and it it was the name Enlightened Decadent. I so having fallen in love with baking from a very early age it was just a very natural progression for me I thought well if I'm going to blog this is what I want to blog about and you know make traditional type desserts, but a little more, just the focus is more so just making them vegan friendly. And then I realized over time too, that, you know, sometimes despite, you know, having a a good label on something, it's maybe not always that good. Um, and, and I just found, you know, my, my taste for things changed after my son was born I wanted to slow down my life a little bit. I wanted to really focus on, you know, I didn't want to box myself in, so to speak. And I wanted to, I really wanted to learn more. You know, I'm always learning more about, you know, living wholly and locally and sustainably. And I really wanted to share that journey. And so this, the name Simple Green, it, it took about six months for me to really decide and pick that name. Uh, but it occurred to me one day that like, yeah, that's it. That's the name because it's, it's general enough to still be about food. Um, uh, but also it can, it, I can grow with it, um, which is what I have been doing. So, um, my blog only being about two and a half years old. So, um, so yeah, that was sort of, that was the reason why, and, and wanting to look at, you know, of course, becoming a mom, you know, being a new mom too, you have all these big dreams and goals for how you're going to raise your kid. And it doesn't always turn out like that, but, um, uh, you know, in, in my mind, this is what I was, what I was looking for and what I, what I was, where I felt my heart was taking me to this more holistic and, you know, local approach to things. And, uh, and, and I think a little bit of, you know, that rustic vibe too. I really like that. It just, really you know, down to earth and, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. I can't, see, I can't wait to see how it evolves over time. All right. So I love pancakes. Um, my husband and I always make pancakes in the winter. And you have two recipes for pancakes on your blog. One that was cinnamon spelt last year and your multigrain and buckwheat pancakes this year, both of which look absolutely beautiful. Thank you. In the first recipe, you talk about an egg replacer powder. It's a mix of potato and tapioca starch that you don't use in the multigrain and buckwheat pancakes. Why don't you need an egg replacer in the multigrain pancakes?
1: That is a really good question, and I'm not sure how it works, but it does. (laughs) (laughs) I think, um, like I, I, I really enjoy, I I tend to use, um, egg replacer powder only if I absolutely need to. Um, my go-to egg replacer is usually flax meal and water. I found with the results that I was trying to achieve with the, the spelt pancakes was getting that rise. And I, it was very hard to do with, um, the flax egg replacer. So I found that one worked really, really well. Or sorry, using the um, uh, the a replacement powder worked really, really well to get the results that I was looking for. But with the multigrain and buckwheat, I think it has something to do with the buckwheat itself. So when it comes in contact with, with water, it does tend to have a little bit of a, not a stickiness, but... Um, it doesn't sound very appetizing. Sorry, but it gets a little bit slimy before. It does get slimy a little bit. It has a little bit of a sliminess to it. And I think that's why it works uh, with the buckwheat. And, and of course, when I was, um, developing this recipe, of course, you're looking online and you're seeing what other people are doing and what's working for them. And, um, of course I'm not a a big, big fan of buckwheat, I'll be honest, but I do like to offer things for, you know, those that do like it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, one of the things that I was seeing is that people who were making these recipes with buckwheat flour didn't really have to use a lot of binders in them, you know, mm-hmm. didn't really have to use egg replacers and things like that. And and I thought that was really, really amazing. And it just so happened that the, um, this recipe that I put together, it worked really well. So I was really happy with how it turned out. It looks <laughs> delicious. My, I haven't tried it yet. But. Yeah, they're probably my favorite pancakes that I've ever made. So mm-hmm. Do
0: you know the chef, um, Amy Chaplin? Uh, yes. Yeah. She has a great bread recipe that she was trying to make a gluten-free recipe and she has a Mm -hmm. buckwheat based bread recipe. It's really, really good. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, I would, I have to try that actually. I, I've not actually seen that one, so.
0: Yeah. She has some, some
1: really great stuff. I love her
0: book. It's, it's awesome. I think I've worked my way through that book. All the pages are falling out. Oh, really? (laughs) So, you know, it's a good one. Yeah. At what point did you realize that you wanted to turn your passion for cooking and baking into a profession?
1: Uh, I think when I was finally fed up with the whole corporate side of my life. Yeah. <laughs> that was really, I just knew something had to change. Um, it was a scary thing to do, to think of, you know, trying to turn, you know, something that I really care about and really love into a career. I think that comes with its own, you know, um, challenges. But, but yeah, definitely. I just knew I couldn't go any further you know, in a career that I, I felt was really, you know, killing my spirit, so to speak. So, yeah, yeah. um, so to have, yeah, that was, that was probably the main, the main thing that, you know, forced me to really take that leap. And then of course, to this all happened as I was on that leap. So as if I wasn't busy enough, (laughs) sleep sleep deprived enough, I decided I was going to start a blog too. Uh, In your your (laughs) sense uh, of delirium, you thought it might be a good idea. (laughs) This is a good idea. And lo and behold, I think it has been pretty, it's been a good idea so far. So (laughs) knock on wood. (laughs) Oh gosh. (laughs) Some
0: foodies are very interested in preserving food culture and tradition how important is it to you that traditional methods of cooking are passed on from generation to generation? And do you think about preserving tradition when you create any of your recipes?
1: Uh, I do to, uh, to a large degree, actually. Um, I'm not a trained chef. Uh, i not, uh, you know, I, I don't have any official, you know, training in, in the culinary techniques, although I tend to use a lot of them on a, you know, regular basis. Um, with my blog, because I'm focusing on something that's somewhat new to people, you know, whole food, plant-based, you know, you, you know what's this ingredient? people are very it's 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 a whole new thing. I want to try to keep the familiar in it. You know, I want my food to be approachable. I want people to look at it and think, oh, well, this looks like you know something I've seen before or, or my mom used to make something like this. This looks like something my grandma used to do. And, um, that's where I think of like, you know, preserving traditional methods and, you know, things that have been handed down and, and I want that to be, to translate in my blog. So I do tend to think about that a lot when I'm putting together a recipe, even though it may call for untraditional ingredients.
0: Mm -hmm. That's great. Combining the both. Yes, Both of them. Absolutely. Do you have any traditions that you've started with your husband and son around food?
1: Actually, one of them that is very important to us is eating together. So yeah, eating dinner good. together, yeah. The slow life, um, slow food. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, I think that's very important. I you do know, too. So, and it's not always possible, you know, in this day and age. I understand that, but and we don't, we're not a hundred percent, you know, there are days where we end up eating at the counter. Right. But, um, but that is one thing that we're, we're very conscious of is to try to make an effort to sit down um, at our table together and eat our meal. You know, even if my son picks at it and doesn't really eat it, you know, at least we're there together, together. and we're having that time, um, you know, amidst, you know, whatever busyness we've had during that day. So,
0: you post several um, times a month on average what's a typical work day like for you or does that even exist with a toddler
1: that, Yeah, so. <laughs> uh, it does exist to a point uh, but yeah it's a little bit it can, it can be a little bit uh, all over the map so to speak I don't really have a typical a typical work day because a lot because I am I do work from home and um, but, you know, a lot of my time is spent with my son, you know, we're, we're doing things together, we're outside together and, and whatnot. But, uh, when it comes to the blog, it's very, it, it's pretty routine. You know, I have, I've been, I'm usually testing recipes, you know, throughout the week and, and, uh, I've usually got like two or three recipes that I'm testing at any one time. So, and, and some days I just decide, okay, well, I'm not going to focus on this one anymore because my creative, my creativity is just, you know, run flat, it's run dry. So, um, but I'm usually always working on, on something throughout the week. And then, uh, when it does come time when I, when I perfected something that I'm happy with and it comes time to, you know, shoot it, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's you know, it's a busy day. It yeah. takes a lot, it takes a long time to, you know, what you think is a simple thing. You know, I see a picture of, Oh, look at these beautiful pancakes, right? You just see the the end result, but behind the scenes is it's a lot of work and it's yeah. a lot of messy dishes, which my son is very happy to help me with, right? <laughs> which is great. <laughs> so he's only three, but he loves to turn the tap on and do the dishes. Ah, That's good. So, um, But, uh, but yeah, it is a lot of work. And then of course you've got, you know, five or six different shots, um, that you want to get, you know, I think I have about eight or nine, sometimes more shots that I get in one post. Um, but the editing takes a lot of time as well, like sitting mm. down to, you know, upload the photos and then you got to edit them and make sure they're consistent and then consistent with other pictures you've done or other blog posts. Uh, that tends to take up the most time during the day is when I finally get to sit down and, and have to edit them. But for the most part, when it does come time to sh- to get my post together, I can be working at it for sometimes two days. You know, it's a lengthy process.
0: Wow based on the comments that have been posted on your site, you've progressively built a larger audience. How do you reach out to people?
1: Uh, I like to be, I I like to connect with anybody who comments on anything I do, anybody who likes my work. Uh, Even if they don't, I still like to connect with them. (laughs) Um, But it's, yeah, I just think, you know, trying to, imagine, okay, well, yes, this is, I'm, I'm working from behind a screen or I'm working in front of a screen, but there's a person that's behind that. There's a person that took the time to, you know, say hello or say, this is great or whatever. You know, I want to equally take that time to thank them or reach out and connect. Um, I've, I've met so many wonderful people through blogging and through social media, thanks to my blog. Um, and yeah, just uh, there's so much, there's so much inspiration out there too. So when I find something or something that really inspires me or that I think is just amazing, I do like to leave them a comment and, you know, sometimes that does spark a conversation and then things go from there. It's like how, you know, how Alex and I actually became really good friends through that. So
0: cool. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about inspiration I personally am so inspired when I read your blog. You're, the photography, I've told you a million times, it's absolutely beautiful. And Thank it you. totally makes me want to cook whatever you've just posted.
1: <laughs> That's so good to hear.
0: <laughs> what inspires you in general? And how do you remain inspired on a day-to-day basis? <clears throat> Excuse me. How do you remain inspired on a day-to-day basis?
1: That's a very good question. Um where would I start with that? Yeah. I it's it's funny because for me inspiration isn't something that I can it's not tangible. It's not like a you know a palpable thing. It's it's something that really comes from from beyond me, so to speak. Like when I'm not thinking about being creative, that's when I'm my most creative. So mm-hmm. um for me it's it's really just I think finding finding that that simple beauty in life you know like I can go out in the garden and I you know see one of my plants growing and you see one of these little tiny tendrils off a pea plant and to me that is just it's so simple and it's and it's every day but it's so beautiful and that's where I think I draw a lot of my inspiration from you know nature plays a big role in it um And then, of course, being in nature, I find so much peace and and quiet and Mm -hmm. calm that it allows that creativity to just happen on its own. Um, So, yeah, but like I I said earlier, I do find inspiration from, from everywhere, lots of people, lots of things. But overall, I would say the biggest contributor to my creativity would be nature, what I find in nature. So and of everyone, course,
0: everyone needs to move to Nanaimo. Is that how you say
1: it? Yeah. <laughs> Nanaimo. Yeah, Nanaimo. Nanaimo. <laughs> it is growing. Yeah, it's not what it mm-hmm. used to be. You're probably thinking, for no, sure.
0: no, don't come. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I like
1: it slow over here. I like that I don't have to deal with traffic and <laughs> I don't have to pay for parking either. So if I'm out. it's <laughs> perfect. Okay. Um, well, just
0: for our listeners, all the work that Heidi has done is paid off. She was recently acknowledged as one of the top 100 base food bloggers and websites on Feedspot and, listened and listed as one of the 100 photographers to watch in 2018 by Click and Moms. I've never heard of them. <laughs> yeah, it's Clickin' Company. and Company. Click and Click and company. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Congratulations. I'm so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. Thank you. You note on your blog entitled, Adaptogenic Pumpkin Spice Latte, Mm -hmm. that you're behind when it comes to food trends, (laughs) but I think you might actually be very forward thinking. In your mind, what do you think will be the next food trend? Sorry. What do you think will be the next food
1: trend? Oh, that's a good question. And honestly, I don't consider myself good when it comes to food trends. <laughs> I do tend to feel like I'm always behind. You know, next thing I realize it's National Day of Whatever, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I missed that. <laughs> but um, next big food trend, uh, I'm gonna say, I, I and I and I maybe this is just my personal hope that it's sort of continues on this. Um, idea and train of eating locally, you know, and oh, eating okay. sustainably and, um, and, and doing things on your own, you know, like finding more time to make food a part of your life, make, making food, um, be a part of your life. Uh, I don't, I think that's already sort of a, a trend that's been happening over the last few years. I'd like to see that continue. Um, yeah. And then of course, in terms of like, you know, new things that are coming out, uh, I think this year we'll probably see a lot more in terms of like adaptogenic or functional foods. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people are really, uh, their ears perk up when they hear those words they are kind of turning into buzzwords.
0: (laughs) Have you heard of the organization called the Institute for Functional Medicine? I have actually, yes, I don't know a lot about it, but I have
1: heard about it,
0: yeah, there um, I don't know where where it started. I've attended their conferences. It's very, it's it's good. Some people come out and say, oh, I'm a functional medicine practitioner though. And I think you need to be wary of people that just because yes. they go to a weekend conference suddenly yes. think they know everything about yeah. functional foods. <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. um, yeah. So, but it is a, a very interesting area of science. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. Future thoughts as well. You mentioned previously that you might create an online store for your husband's woodworking? Mm-hmm. Is that yes. still in the picture? It is. Yeah. Ah. Oh my gosh, <laughs> the <and> blogging I, <laughs> world is going to be so excited
1: <laughs> that they can purchase some of these things. Yeah. Well, I think there's I mean being on on social media. I'm on social media um you know for my business or for my blog obviously, but um also for inspiration and there are so many talented Um, entrepreneurs and creatives out there and you do see a lot of their work popping up in people's food photographs and their props or a spoon or whatever and it's they're unmistakable pieces they're gorgeous they don't always take away from they don't take away from what your the focus of the photograph is but and I have found that with you know the things that Steve makes for me people like oh where did you get this or where did you get that or you know who where can i find it and i'm like oh it was actually made it was a one of a kind but people are very interested and they love it and i think it's a wonderful thing to have um have allow people to have access to that Mm -hmm. Um, and then of course support you know local artists or you know just entrepreneurs wherever they may be in the world doing something that they love i think it's really important to support people yeah. Um, in that respect, so so yeah, I'd love to have. I, it's much too. Um, it's too early to say for sure that it's going to happen because um, you know, my husband's very busy and he has his <laughs> own things that oh he likes God. to do. And, and I think sometimes the thought of having to have, you know, mass produce or not even mass produce, but make more than just one piece for me is is maybe a little intimidating. Yeah. Plus, he's a perfectionist. So. <laughs>
0: It's I daunting. He,
1: it, it might be a little bit daunting, but, yeah. um, but and I'm And I working think that the coo- canoe <laughs> needs to take first place. Yeah, it's, that's <laughs> priority number one is our canoe. So.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's just uh, do a little fun fact questions. Mm-hmm. Sure. What kitchen tool can you not live without?
1: Oh, my goodness. Hmm. Well, it's probably the one I use almost every single day. uh, And that would be my high-speed blender. I'm not trying to plug a brand, but I do use a Vitamix and I use it a lot. And I have (laughs) probably for the last, oh my gosh, when I got my very first one when I was on my own. I've had a Vitamix actually in my house since I was very little. My parents had one. Um, So I've always sort of had them around. But now it's just... I use it so often for so many things. And because I like to, you know, make, I sometimes make my own like oat flour or buckwheat flour. Having that tool is just, it's like indispensable. Like I couldn't not have it. (laughs) Yeah. It's wonderful. Great.
0: Where do you shop for food and kitchen supplies?
1: There's a really wonderful, uh, shop here in the Nanaimo, actually, uh, it's called Maison Cookware. They bring in a lot of, you know, really fancy stuff, but they also carry a lot of, uh, really great products that you can't necessarily get unless you order them online. Um, plus they're local, I like to support them, they're small business, um, but they carry a lot of really nice, uh, really nice products. And I also find a lot of stuff secondhand. Um, hmm. Because you know, with with my blog, you're always you've always got your eye open for props. You're always looking around and stuff, and my mind's always thinking of you know, is this gonna work or would that work? You know, even mm-hmm. if it is on a subconscious level, not fully conscious, yeah. which I have done that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but uh, but yeah, that was that would probably be number yeah. Maison Cookware is great, and then you know, finding things secondhand, and my parents too. They tend to find find a lot of neat little things too that they, they send over my way thinking I can use as a prop, which also sometimes ends up in my kitchen too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What will always be found in your pantry or refrigerator?
1: Uh, Almond milk Mm. in my fridge. There's always almond milk in my fridge and my pantry. Would always be in my pantry? Gosh, there's so many things, but I would say probably the, the biggest staple that I always make sure I have on hand, uh, would be rolled oats. <laughs> yeah. They go in a I, lot of things. They go in a lot of things and we tend to have that with my son and I We tend to, we always have breakfast in the morning together. So we always, always, always have that. We always have oatmeal. So. Cool. What ingredient
0: are you most excited about right now? oh my goodness
1: like too many <laughs> but I have to say at the moment because we're we're right in the middle of uh spring is rhubarb oh, I love delish. rhubarb yes my mom used to make the most wonderful uh rhubarb crumble when I was growing mm-hmm. up so I've always had a taste for it um and we are growing some in the garden but it's not quite ready yet so I'm just you know counting the days until I can go out there and pick it and put together a post which is a little bit overdue so and is it
0: possible to get a good crumble without butter yes yes it is
1: uh coconut oil
0: is coconut oil. wonderful it works for good. that
1: yeah okay coconut oil works really really well so.
0: okay what do you think is the most underrated ingredient onions ah.
1: <laughs> yes I think you know we tend to use them a lot. They're in a lot of savory dishes. You can use them in sweet too, I suppose. But um, they're, I think they're underrated, but I I love them. I mean, so many things you you just can't make certain dishes without them. And you tend to use them all the time. And I do think they're overlooked for their, for how good they are um, and versatile. What about overrated? Most overrated? Oh my goodness the most overrated food or ingredient Mm. I don't know if I could pick that that's a really good question
0: nothing gets on your nerves like oh I've seen so much of
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay actually it's maybe not necessarily an ingredient but it's more like a general food or thing that people make and it's smoothie bowls (laughs) Uh, yeah you do see a lot of them I see a lot of them so Mm. I'd I'd probably say that and they don't really get on my nerves but I've only ever tried to make one once and it was a disaster (laughs) so I mean I I look at people who you know put these smoothie bowls together and they do take a lot of work and time so I I admire that but I, I think they're a little bit overrated personally so okay what do you
0: typically cook for yourself on the weeknights versus the weekends?
1: So weeknights, I, I'm i a fall winter lover and I could eat soup all year round or stew. I That tends to be my go-to during the week. And plus it tends, it, they're quite quick, you know, especially red lentils. Um, mm-hmm. They cook up really quick we eat a lot of those around here, even though my my husband um, is not vegan or my son's not vegan. They still eat a lot of the food that I do because I'm preparing a lot of it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But yeah, definitely, um, you know, soups and dolls and things like that. We have a lot of during the week, the weekdays. And then the weekends, I think we're, it's fun to, you know, play around and try something new. So, you know, my husband and I may, You know, flip through a cookbook or find something online like, oh, let's try that today. Let's try this. So we have a little bit more time to dedicate to trying something new. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't work out, we still usually end up with time in the day to make something else. Backup. Yeah. Yeah, And there tends to be pancakes on the weekend. Always pancakes on the weekend. Mm -hmm. What's
0: your favorite thing to eat?
1: My favorite thing to eat? Almonds. Almonds. Ah, I I even think I may drink a lot it, of almond them. milk. Yes. <laughs> 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 so aside from oats always being in my pantry, there's always almonds, like raw almonds in there. Um, there i I think uh, yeah, my might be a little mild addiction to almonds, but I, <laughs> it's, okay. I find them so handy to snack and they're so easy to pack along wherever you go. I would always have them, you know, in my office is whenever I was working in an office downtown or, you know, even here on that, I just always have almonds on hand. And I find, um, you know, if I'm, if I'm, you know, having to really think about something or I'm feeling a little bit stressed out, I, I do have tendencies sometimes to want to eat to quell that. Right. And mm-hmm. I find with almonds, it's a great thing to snack because I'm occupying my hands and my mouth while I'm trying to calm or, you know, figure something out. So, and yeah, I don't I think you can them. really OD on almonds. No,
0: <laughs> You'll get sick before you could OD. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What's your go-to meal when you're not in the mood to cook?
1: Oh, uh, when I'm not in the mood to cook it would it would honestly be a red lentil soup. <laughs> okay. It's so easy. Um, and that and roasted potatoes. We've mm-hmm. always got potatoes around here. So whether they're ours that we grew or you know we bought them at the market, yeah, I love roasted potatoes real quick and easy. Okay. When you entertain, what do you like to make? Something with kale. <laughs> Ah. And something from the garden, yeah. I'm you know, we haven't we don't usually entertain a lot, but when people do come to visit us, they usually come and visit for a short while. You know, they're coming for the day or a couple days, right? So I like to if especially if it's in season if in, and if we're growing in our backyard, I like to highlight stuff that we that we grow. And I think people tend to when you know, when we bring a salad or make a salad people tend to think of oh lettuce This is going to be lettuce well I usually make my salads with kale and people always really tend to like them so mm-hmm. it's sort of my go-to Good. that and bread I love to make bread yeah. and people love bread so
0: what's the what's your favorite gift that you received from a dinner guest
1: I would have to say truffle oil. Ooh, yeah. nice. and I got truffle oil once actually from, and it wasn't so much just, you know, somebody coming over for, for a dinner there. It was a friend of mine. They were coming to, to stay with us and they had brought us some truffle oil and I thought, what did I do to deserve this? <laughs> yeah. You made them something delicious to eat. Yeah, it must have been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or she's thinking, we're going to put this on the bread that you're going to make me, right? <laughs> What do you love
0: most about your kitchen?
1: Oh, the space. <laughs> so when I when I first met my husband, we um, that the house that we live in now, um, it was it looked very different. It was a very small little kitchen, um, and now it is. It probably it takes up pretty much a, a good portion of our like main living space. It's wide open. Um people are always impressed by it. They think like, Oh my gosh, if I had this much counter space, you know, the things I could do. So yeah, a lot my my husband also really likes to cook too. Um, nice. so we have a lot we had to have a lot of space, a lot of cupboard space, a lot of counter space to to do what we like doing. So
0: yeah. How do you relax or recharge?
1: Gardening. <laughs> oh, yeah, I should have figured Even, that one. Yeah. Even though it's it's very physically, it can be very physically hard, I find it so uh, calming and meditative, especially, you know, just doing the, the mundane tasks, like having to go outside and pick weeds or, you know, uh, deadhead the camellia or whatever. I find that very relaxing. So. And then having my feet, my bare feet on the grass, I find yeah. that recharges me too. So.
0: What's something people would be surprised to know about you?
1: Um, I'm very nerdy. <laughs> 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 I think well, I have mentioned this a few times uh, on like social media, but because I've been asked this question before, and i've I've actually very I'm a very nerdy side. I really enjoy the movie Star Wars, the whole, actually, just the original trilogy is my Mm -hmm. favorite. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think people are a little bit surprised to hear that about me.
0: Okay. And finally, what's next for you? Where do you want to go from here?
1: Oh, my goodness. Where do I want to go? I want to go into my backyard that is an, an entire garden <laughs> 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 that's obviously dependent on some other people as well being uh being keen but yeah. um any in terms, plans for a cookbook for yes I'm gonna say so for my you know, in terms of my blog um and you know where I'd like to go with that because that is so much of where my heart is now um I would love one day to to author a cookbook and, you know, photograph it. Yeah. I mean, it would be very intense and I've heard it's, it's a lot of work, but it's something that I think I would love to do. Um, and the other thing too is I would love to do more video. I had done a little bit initially, um, I had done some video work and it was, it was a lot of fun and I didn't Good. expect it to be fun. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I definitely wanted to get back into that as well. It's a little bit tricky, though, too, with, um, you know, with my son and being home with him during the day. He's very vocal. He's learning. He's got this whole new vocabulary that he's learning, and he doesn't nap anymore. So trying to Um, find, like, really quiet times to, you know, do any filming or anything like that would be a little bit tricky. So that might be not for another few years yet. Mm -hmm. But uh, but, one day,
0: one day. Yeah. Well, again, that was Heidi Richter from the vegan food blog, The Simple Green. To learn more about Heidi or her recipes, go to www.thesimplegreen.com. I'm Jennifer Dolan, and you're listening to Jennifer's Twist, connecting farmers, food makers, and chefs to bring you healthy food.